0: Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready, the Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. We're going to talk a little bit about what revival looks like some more. And uh, in this week, we've already shared, or this, this, these past few weeks, we've already shared some of the elements of revival. Uh, we've shared how revival speaks of releasing the light that God has placed inside of you. We've spoken of not pulling the plug, not giving up, not quitting. Many people are quitting. They're quitting on life, they're quitting on things that God has given them, and they're quitting, they're pulling the plug, and we saw last week the dangers of that. How many felt the grace on that message last week? That was an amazing word that the Lord gave us. I want to encourage you, listen to the podcast, it will truly bless you. Uh, We spoke a lot about revival, and uh, we're going to continue talking about that. Revival, as you see, says a lot of things. It speaks of salvation, it speaks of healing. It speaks of the power of God being demonstrated. Revival speaks of many things. So when we talk about revival, we're talking about all these elements. One of the elements that you'll see about revival is that people will have a hunger for souls. Somebody say souls. That means you'll have a hunger for people. You want to see people encounter the love of God. And so when you're in revival, again, I'm saying it because I know that we all can relate. Many of us can relate to this. Revival is not just coming to church every single day. That's not revival. Revival is when you have a burden, the burden that heaven has. And you begin to sense, God, I feel what's on your heart. You care for people. You want people. You love people. Lord, who can I show your love to? So, when you're in revival, there's a burden that you have in your heart for people. Someone say, People. Yeah. When you're in revival, there's a burden you have for prayer. Someone say, Prayer yeah and those two go hand in hand because when you have a burden for people it'll drive you to prayer lord this person's on my heart how can i help them lord do this for them help them lord do this for them when you have a sense of revival stirring in you you'll be moved to pray and you'll be moved to minister to people Glory to God. Revival also looks in the form of worship. Someone say worship. Yeah, we're going to be generous with our worship to God, right? How many stingy people we have worshiping God? No stingy people here, right? We give God His, he, we give God His due, Amen. We're we're releases of worship. We're generous in our worship, and so I want to encourage you: be generous in your praise. You know, let me just take a little side journey for a quick second. Some people are very stingy when they get when it comes to giving compliments. You know, they they they're not very complimentary. They don't give praise to people even they're not affectionate with their words they hold on to their feelings they don't know how to get those feelings out you know and they say well you know how i feel you know what i think about you i don't got to show you i want to tell you yes you do you got to be generous with your praise not only to people but also to god that's what revival looks like so revival looks like yes we will come together and we will have a desire to worship and maybe be in church for extended period of time maybe be in church for several days that that's cool but it's when we when we do it we're doing with a heart of worship we're doing with a heart of excitement for what god is doing and so i want to just speak this over your life one more time you are in revival in jesus name amen you're going to be driven to prayer you're going to be waking up earlier in the morning many of you have already been telling me this man the lord's been waking me up earlier to pray that is revival in jesus name and that's happening because i'm speaking it over your life (laughs) it's not just happening just because it's happening no i sense that that's what the lord wants to do so when i say the lord's gonna wake you up listen when he wakes you up you can be mad at me because i'm saying lord wake them up Wake them up four in the morning, five in the morning. Stir them up. Give them a burden to pray. Give them a burden to worship. Give them a burden to seek your face in the name of the Lord. And ask the Lord nudging you. Come on, come on, come on. I got some things I want to give to you. I got some things I want to disclose to you. I got some things I want to share with you. Amen. That's what's going to happen more and more in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, we are revived. Another aspect of revival is generosity. Ooh, generosity. Someone say generosity. You'll see in the New Testament when the early church began, one of the things that you'll see, not only people got saved, not only was there signs, miracles, wonders, but there was also generosity. People felt compelled to give of their substance for the furthering of the gospel. People felt compelled, I must give to help push this vision, to help push this message. And so the spirit of revival is also the spirit of generosity. And one thing you'll know about Jesus and his ministry, every kind of person gave to Jesus. Poor people gave to Jesus rich people gave to Jesus women gave to Jesus men gave to Jesus and you know what even a little boy children gave to you know what you know what a little boy gave to Jesus his lunch his his fish and five loaves yeah everyone gave to Jesus so giving and being, gener- being generous in the kingdom of God is not for people who have the means or people who are wealthy. It's not for people who are poor who could, could, you know, could use some help. No, everybody is to be generous in the kingdom of God. Amen. And so I want to just say this. The spirit of generosity is on you now. And Jesus, come on, receive it by faith. <laughs> receive it by faith. I know some of you are like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. God wants to do that for you. He wants to, He wants to rattle and shake every fear of poverty out of your life. He wants to shake every fear. And listen, I, I, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be like, oh, oh. But the Lord wants. To, I, I see that the Lord is shaking every fear, every, every foundation that you've held on to every fort every account that you said this is my saving grace uh-uh god is like i'm shaking that out of you because i want to demonstrate to you that i am the lord your provider that's a place of freedom to be in jesus name i long for the day i say this really, really sincerely i long for the day where i can give houses away or give cars away where I, I can be free to do that in the name of the lord jesus the spirit of generosity is your portion. Somebody say, I receive it. Let me get into this. I want to share with you 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 to 8. I'm going to read it from the amplified version. I love this version because it amplifies every word. It gives you a deeper meaning. And so it says, let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart. Praise God. That's the kingdom way of giving. Especially when you're talking about offerings, you don't give out of compulsion, you don't give out of force, you don't give out of guilt. Let me. I know you know this already, but for those who don't, you don't give because someone promises to give you a word from the Lord. You don't do that. That's not how you give. There's a way to give. And one of the ways is that you give as you have purposed in your heart. All right? Not reluctantly right or sorrowfully don't regret it don't oh man what i know i bless the seed that i've sown i rejoice over what i've participated in in the kingdom of god or under compulsion for god loves he takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful joyous Prompt to do it, giver, <laughs> whose heart is in his giving. Are we still talking about revival? All right, you guys still happy about revival? All right, good. Verse eight. And God is able to make all grace. Somebody say all grace. And I love this because this is what I want to really talk to you about today, about what does it look like when, when the Bible says God is able to make all grace. That means when you give, it's not just the grace of finances that comes upon your life. It's all grace. All grace. Someone say all grace. Now, I don't have time to talk about all grace today because there's a lot, but I'm going to give you three graces. But all grace, God is able to God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, someone say always, and under all circumstances, and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation man, that's a lot. (laughs) But let me just give you the short version of this. God wants to make sure those who have a heart to give to the kingdom of God, God wants to make sure that you are never in need in terms of being in or unable to do what he's called you to do. He wants to make sure that every good work, you have all sufficiency in all things, and you are never in a place where you do not have what you need. That's what all grace looks like. Somebody say, I received that, receive that grace. Amen. I received that grace. I want to share three graces. None of them have to do with money, but all of them were provoked because someone was generous in their giving. And I say it that way because sometimes people think, okay, if I give, then God's going to give me some money. He will. No question about it. God blesses you financially. He opens doors financially. He will do it. He will do it. That's easy to teach because the Bible is littered with examples of that. That's easy. But I want to show you some other things that you may not have considered that God wants to do also. Meaning your generosity can open up other portals of grace. You may be okay financially, but there's some things you need, and your generosity can open up those portals so that you can receive in other areas of your life. Who's interested in knowing about that? That's what God wants to do for you. I'm going to read three stories for you. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 26, 6 to 9, and This is interesting because every person that we're going to read about did not give for whatever they received. They gave just because they had a heart for the kingdom of God. That's the reason why they gave. And so that's what it means when it says not with compulsion, not forced, not because people guilt you into it. Not because you're trying to rub the genie in the bottle and hope that God could respond to you. No, it's because I have affection for what God is doing. That's the reason why. So let's look at this first story. Matthew 26, looking at verse 6 to 9. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the, Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant Saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. I want you to just highlight that. This could have been given to the poor. It could have been done what? It could have been given to the poor. And the reason I want to stop there is because this is something that the world loves to say. I want you to understand this. This is not a new argument. Oh, this could have been given to the poor. Right? Keep your finger there. I want you to go to John 12. I'm going to read another account of this story. John 12, 4 to 6. Same story. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? So it was he that was speaking. And it goes into depth. Verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So one of the things I want you to really understand is that sometimes people have a problem with people, especially Christians, especially Christians who are growing in, in, in grace financially, and they say, you don't need that. That could be given to the poor. Why are you giving your money to the church? I want you to understand that you will face criticism. This is not a new thing. It was done in the ministry of Jesus. It's done today. People will tell you, why are you giving to the church? That is a waste of money. This could be given to the poor. Let me tell you a secret. People who say that, don't give to the poor. People who actually are serving the poor, don't have time to comment about what you're doing. They really care about the poor. They're not thinking about what you're doing. They care about the poor. Hundred percent. I want you to understand it because there is a spirit of criticism when it comes to the believer having money, especially in the things of ministry, because they love to say this could have been given to the poor. Should we give to the poor? Absolutely. No question about it. But is God, does God have a problem with you as a Christian having nice things? Absolutely not. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, she didn't do all of this to get anything. I'm going to read, this is not about do this so you can get money, but I want you to understand something. Jesus saw it differently than what the world oftentimes would look at it as. Jesus said, I am worthy of this. This is why he defended her and said, leave her alone. What she has done, she's done for my burial." And I want to let you know, Jesus will defend you. Don't ever be embarrassed by your commitment to the things of God. I'm not even talking about financially. I'm talking about your time, those who serve, those who are passionate about the things of the kingdom. People will try to tell you, why are you doing all of that? That's not necessary. Why are you serving Jesus that way? Why do you give of yourself, of your time, of your energy? I want you to know, Jesus will defend you and say, leave him alone. He's doing a good work. Leave her alone. She's doing a good work. The reason why I know people, I'm thinking of someone right now who who right now will not commit their lives completely to the Lord because they are facing criticisms from their parents and from their loved ones about Jesus. Jesus. I love this woman. She didn't care. She didn't care that there was all men all around Jesus criticizing her. Why is she doing this? This is expensive. You know how much we can sell this for and give to the poor? She didn't care. She saw Jesus as worthy of it. So I want you to know, Jesus never thinks that you give him something and, oh, my God, that's too much for me. No, no. Jesus always sees himself as deserving of it all. Everybody excited about that? You guys still want revival? (laughs) This is what it looks like. It looks like an abandonment of the things that you hold dear to. It looks like you saying, Lord, you can have the best, and I won't walk away sorrowful. Lord, you can have my treasures, and I won't curse my seed sown and say, why did I do it? Lord, I am glad to give you what I have because you are deserving of it. Amen. Come on, let me go back to Matthew twenty-six. Let's go really quick, verses ten to three. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, "Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me, you do not have always." uh oh. Let me teach you something right now. Jesus wasn't poor. You know how people like to say, "Oh, Jesus was poor." No, Jesus made a distinction between him and the poor. He said, "The poor, your." always going to have. So I love the fact that you're talking about the poor. Guess what? You're going to have endless opportunity to minister to the poor. You want to minister to the poor? Wonderful. You're going to have an endless opportunity to do so. But guess what? Me, you don't have. He was talking about in his earthly ministry, knowing that I'm going to die soon. I'm not poor in the name of Jesus. Come on, is this good news for you? Why is this important? Because people like to portray Jesus as someone who was poor, who was always in need, who had nothing, and they say that's your model. You should be just like that, and that is not the gospel. The gospel is you should give to the poor, not that you should be poor. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm clap also. Oh, it's good. This is good stuff. It's not even to my. It's not even my point though. These are all side points. Let me get to my point though. All right. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And here's one of the graces of giving. Giving giving out of your heart, not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, not out of feeling forced, not out of regret. Your giving is a memorial to you. Think about what Jesus said. Every, because of what she did, everywhere this gospel is preached throughout the entire world, people will know about this woman. This is why you go to fancy hospitals and colleges and universities and institutions and sometimes on the wall you'll see these benefactors, these, these, uh, people who've given large sums of money to these institutions and their name is there. It's a memorial for them. Well, how many know that heaven has memorials for you? Those who give. Heaven has an opinion about your giving. Heaven has an opinion about how you care for the things of the kingdom of God. And yes, even your money counts. Amen. And so I want you in this message not to think about revival just from a a surface level. I want you to think about it from this point of view. Is my finances committed? Is my finances committed to seeing the revival work of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what I want you to consider. As that happens, as that happens, you'll see the graces of giving and generosity descend upon you. One of them is that you will enjoy the grace of notoriety. Somebody say the grace of notoriety. That means God wants your name to be known. Now, I know you say, well, doesn't the Bible say the right hand shouldn't let the left hand know what it's doing? Yes, you shouldn't have to broadcast it, but there will be things you do, things you are generous towards, things that you do, and even if you try to keep it a secret because it touches the heart of God so much, God will make sure this has to be known, and it will inspire others. It will release others. It will be a blessing to others. This is the word of God. You can enjoy the grace of notoriety. Come on, am I preaching real good to you today? I say this because it's important because sometimes I know some of you say, I don't need much pastor. All I need is this. All I need is that. And all I need is this. And it sounds nice and it sounds humble, but in actuality, it's selfish because all you're thinking about is all that you need. How about you expand those prayers and say, Lord, I'm good, cool, but I want more for XYZ. I want to be able to give a year's worth of salary away and not have to think about it. I want to be able to take off a year and travel and minister the gospel and enjoy my life. Amen. I want to be able to do those things. I want to be open. I want to open an orphanage. I want to open up a group home. I want to open up some type of center for youth. Lord, that's what I want to do. This is how you enjoy the grace of notoriety. As you give, you increase your capacity not only to give more, but also to receive. Somebody say revival. I see millionaires in this place in Jesus' name. I shared this on Tuesday. I don't know if I shared it here. But I want to share it here just to remind you because this is important. It's very, very important. Person who, did I, share, did I, did I, I know on Tuesday I shared it, but did I share the, the 295,000 testimony here on Sunday? Okay, let, let, me, let me just show you how this works. Tuesday. I said it on Tuesday, right? Okay, Sometimes I forget. Personal Church <laughs> came to me once recently and said, Pastor, I have to apologize. I said, why? He says, well, you know, I felt led to tell you something um, and I didn't. And I felt led to act on something and I didn't. He says, the Lord gave me a stock to, in, to invest in. He told me to invest in this particular stock and he told me to invest $1,000 into it. And I didn't. Somebody say I didn't. He said two weeks later, had I invested that $1,000 in that stock, I would have made $295,000. Did you hear what I said? Let me, let me say what I didn't say. He said, I prayed for this. I prayed that the Lord would give me a stock. This is an our church. You all know the person. I prayed that the Lord would give me a stock. The Lord gave me a stock. Told me, put $1,000 into this stock. I didn't do it. I lost out on $295,000. Now, Praise the Lord. He wasn't upset. He said, the Lord is going to give me another stock. I've learned my lesson. And I began to pray, Lord, give me something else. Why am I saying this? I want, I'm illustrating this because I want you to see God wants to increase you. He wants to. And if you ask him, he will show you. If you ask him, Lord, what is the next step for me? He will lead you. If you have a heart for the kingdom of God, if your heart is not just about you, but you want to care for others, he will do it. So where are my millionaires at? In the name of Jesus. That's okay. I, I, I know you guys are, are kind of, you know, some of you kind of, it's hard, it's hard to receive, but you're going to receive it in Jesus' name. I'm going to receive it, Lord, Let it happen for me in Jesus' name. Number two, somebody say the grace, of the grace of revelation. How many need to know something? You need to understand something. You want more understanding about something. Do you know that being generous opens up the portals of understanding? Some of you are ignorant about certain things, and it may seem like it's disconnected because we're talking about money, and yet we're talking about understanding or, or revelation on or something. But do you realize that having a generous heart can position you to understand more? Why? Because it's something about someone who has a heart to give, a heart of generosity that allows all grace. Somebody say, all grace. All grace to abound towards you, even the grace of revelation. God wants to give you revelation about certain things. He wants to teach you about certain things. He wants to open up your understanding on certain things. So again, maybe you don't need money, you're not asking for money, you're good with money, cool. But maybe you need understanding, maybe you need wisdom, maybe you need revelation. Maybe you need insight into some spiritual thing. Do you realize that being generous can bring you into revelation? Let me show you how. Acts chapter 10, they're going to read about a story by the name of Cornelius. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man. What was he? And one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously. That means he gave people money. He gave to the poor. Alms are specifically to the poor. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So we said to him, your prayers... Oh, I love this. Please think about this. Your prayers and your alms have come up. Have come up. Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. What does that mean? When you, when you talk about how your prayers and your memorials, I believe it means this, and I can support it through Scripture. You'll see throughout Scripture whether, whether it's prayers, whether it's sin right? Whether it's complaining, which is a type of sin, but specifically complaining, you'll see that there are things that build up to a certain point that provokes a reaction from heaven. You'll see in the Sodom and Gomorrah story how the wickedness built up to a certain point, and when it built up, the Bible says that God released a judgment. You'll see that in the book of James, where there are people who've been robbed of their wages. And the Bible says that their prayers or their cries of injustice have come up to God. And he is the Lord of the Sabaoth, and he will defend them. That's why constant prayer is important. You'll see in Acts chapter 12, when Peter was in prison, the Bible says that the church was praying constantly. And as they were praying constantly, an angel was released to Peter and his prison cell. There's 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 something about being consistent. Somebody say, "Consistent." There's something about being consistent. What happens when you're consistent? You cause something to come up as a memorial before God. And so here we have this man, Cornelius, who is a devout man. He's he's part of the the Italian regiment, and he gives alms generously. He prays consistently. And God says, you know what? I want to do something specific for him I'm going to send an angel to him. So he said, your prayers and your arms have come up for a more before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you. He will what? In other words, he's going to give you revelation. I know you're praying constantly. I know you're devout, but you're missing something. You don't fully understand the message of the gospel. You have a form of religion to you. You know what it means to be devout. You know what it means to pray constantly. That's cool. You know what it means to be a giver. Wonderful. But you don't have the full understanding of grace and revelation and salvation and I'm gonna do something for you I'm gonna send an angel to you and I'm gonna cause you to give I'm gonna, I'm gonna cause you to give instructions to your men to send for Peter to come to you Right, and then when Peter comes to you he's going to give you a message Peter comes with the men and Peter begins to tell them about Jesus he begins to give him revelation. Remember, this is a man of wealth already. He's a devout man of the Italian regiment. He's, he doesn't need money. He's cool. But he needed to understand something. He needed revelation. He needed wisdom. He needed to know what does it mean to truly have a relationship with God. And it was that generosity that he had in his heart provoked heaven to send an angel and a message to him so that he can receive salvation. And he was the first non-Jew to receive the message of faith that opened up the message to the entire Gentile world. This happened because he was generous. Come on, this is beautiful stuff here. I want to tell you something, people of God, that your generosity will open up things for you. Because you choose to be generous, God will open up things for you. Let me give you one more. Is this good for you? I don't have time to read the entire story. Let me give you one more. Number three, the grace of your deepest desires being met. Sometimes, as you sit here, who here has deep desires? Think about that for a second. You have things that you've been desiring for quite some time. Things that you really, really want. Things that no matter what's happening, you still want it. You want it. And it's something that you believe you should have. So that you feel that the Lord has made available to you, has spoken to you in his word. You want it. A deep desire. Do you realize that there are deep, deep desires that God realizes that maybe you've not even talked to him about anymore? Maybe you haven't even prayed about it anymore. Maybe it's too painful to bring it up. Maybe you're like, okay, God, I just, I'm, just gonna, I'm just not going to even talk about this anymore. Let me just... No, 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 no. God wants to meet those deepest desires. Those deep, deep desires of yours. I'm not talking about surface stuff. Deep desires. Things that you really, really desire. God wants to meet that. Let me show you the story found in 2 Kings chapter 4. Speaking of a widow, not, not a widow, a, a, a woman that was married. And it says in verse eight, uh, ver, verse 8 to 17, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. What was she? Notable woman. That means this wasn't a woman that was struggling. This wasn't a woman that was, you know, didn't have life together. This wasn't a poor woman. This wasn't a woman without reputation. She was a notable woman. Okay, Just to use an example, let's just say this was Oprah Winfrey. We all recognize Oprah Winfrey. This is a woman like Oprah, notable. You could be notable but still in deep need. You could be notable but there's still something that you really, really want that, you, that your notoriety can't afford. This is a notable woman. Praise the Lord. And she persuaded him. This is, she persuaded Elisha to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. Look at the generosity. Let us make. Make a room? You, you know what that, let's add a section to our house. This was It wasn't like, let's just, you know, clean up the bed here. No, no, let's add a section So that we don't have to bother with him. You know, we can just give him a key. He can come in anytime he wants. We know that this is a man of God. We know that he's called by God. Let us make a room for him. We've already been generous towards him. We've already given him some food. But let's let's go above and beyond that. Come on, think about that. Let us make a room. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him. Let us put a bed there for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in to the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look. You have been concerned for us with all this care. In other words, you've been generous. You've been so generous towards us. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I'm good. I'm notable. I'm not moved. I'm not moved by you telling me, you know, go to the king. Like most people, if I say, hey, you want me to talk to Barack Obama <laughs> for you? You'd be like, you could do that? Sure. Yo, you, you, you want me to talk to you? About, you want, me, want me to bring your name up to, I don't know, Jay Z, Oprah, whoever, whoever you consider to be someone who can open doors for you? She wasn't impressed by the offer. Remember, she was what kind of a woman? But she still had a deep need. You could be notable and have a deep need. I don't need money. I don't need to speak for me on on behalf of, I don't need you to connect me with people. I don't need none of that. Oh, but there was something that she did need. Look at it. So he said, what then is then to be done for her? Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Isn't that interesting? She didn't report this. This is Gehazi making this observation. And he's like, you know what? I noticed something about her. She doesn't have a son. And her husband's old. Look at this. So he said, call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Look at her reaction. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Why did she respond that way? This was a deep need. This was too, almost too good to be true. This was... <laughs> Come on, don't, don't, don't kid around. Don't, don't, don't play with me. Don't play with my emotions. I was good up until this time. I said I'm good. You don't need to speak to me. You to, I, but now you're touching something that really means something to me. I didn't communicate this to you. Don't lie to me. <laughs> but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. This all happened because she was generous. I want to know what are the deep needs you have in your heart that you've sort of buried. That if the Lord said about this time next year, this need will be satisfied. That it will take you a minute to say, God, please, like, don't take me down this path. Don't get if. If I'm not hearing right, please, God, I don't want to go through this pain. I don't want to feel this this pain anymore. That's the need. That's what God wants to touch. I believe generosity is a key. I wholeheartedly believe some things have been locked, locked in your heart, And you haven't communicated, or maybe you've communicated once or twice, but you've kind of like, whatever. And the reason why it's not flourishing, or it's not coming out, or it's not manifesting, is because there's a place in your life where you refuse to be generous. Generosity will open up the doors. There's a scripture that says that by your generosity you will stand. You will stand. God wants you to be generous today. So, how do I live this? Very simple. One, you have to examine why aren't you generous? Let's talk about that. This is not part of my notes. It doesn't write anymore. But I want you to think about that. Why? If you're not, because some of you are. Why aren't you generous to the kingdom of God? Why aren't you? Think about that for a second. Why is it a struggle to give to the things of God? Why is it easy to spend $50 on a plate of food at your favorite restaurant, but it's difficult to sow that into the work of the kingdom? Why is that? This is where you have to start unearthing some things in your heart. Where where are my values? What's important to me? Why don't I value these things? I can spend two, $3,000 in a minute on this and this. But gi- giving to the work of the ministry? Nah, man. This is my money. I, I worked for it. Well, Okay. But well, how come you didn't say that when you were spending money there? Why? It's because you value that. And that's the key thing. I want to ask you, why do you value what you value? I said this years ago, but it, it bears repeating. No one says to the Nike store that people spend about $200 on a pair of sneakers, right? Easy. No one says, hey, before I spend this money, Nike, what are you going to do with the money? No one says that. Before I go to my favorite restaurant. I want to know what are you going to do with this money? You don't care. Because in your mind, I've given you the money and I've gotten something that I want. Why is it that when it comes to the things of ministry, all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of conditions? Well, what's going on here? What's happening here? Well, what were you doing here? Why is that? Is it because. You don't value the ministry of the Word of God? You don't value the life of the Spirit in your church? Is it because you don't see those things as anything worth supporting? But a pair of sneakers? Yeah, that's leather on my feet. $200? I see that. Take it. But wait a minute. People being set free in their marriages, people walking in healing, people being redeemed, saved. Wait a minute. What are you going to do with all that money? Now you care? Now, just so you know, much of what I'm saying doesn't apply here. No, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not talking to live. Sometimes I'm talking to light but I'm talking to people who listen to the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm really sending a message to the entire, to the entire universal body of Christ, because this is, this is a thought that people have. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know. Apple, what are you gonna do with the money before I give you a thousand dollars for my phone? What are you doing? I wanna know. What are you gonna do with the money? You don't care. I got an iPhone 10 or X or whatever it's called. You don't care. In your mind, it's an even exchange. You have no responsibility to tell me anything. I got what I wanted. But how about we go a little deeper into the heart of God and we'll begin to investigate what does God care about? What matters to Him? How does my money go and support what's on his mind? When we think about that, do we now start asking questions about this and this and that and that? So I'm asking you. Why? If you're not, because many people here, you guys are very generous. So I'm just, this is not for everybody, but for, for those who, who struggle with this, and it's okay to struggle with this, but I want to bring you to another place. Right? I used to struggle with this. I'm not struggling with that anymore, but maybe you do. Maybe, maybe it's hard for you to consider giving your money to the things of the kingdom. So I want to ask you, have you asked yourself why? Why is it? And I want to challenge you. See See things differently. See it the way God sees it. You will never ever be in want and or need if you have a heart that is generous towards the kingdom of God. And I'm not just talking finances, but I'm but I'm including it. I'm including it. It's not just limited to finances, but I'm including it. And so I want you to understand, ask yourself, why am I not generous? Two, is one of the questions, is one of the answers. You are afraid. Sometimes it's not that you, you, don't, you don't value the kingdom of God and you don't value the work of the kingdom. Many of you do. But here's another thing. Are you afraid of lack? Are you afraid of lack? Some of you, it's I'm afraid. This is the work of the kingdom of God. I should be participating in this. This is wonderful. But I'm afraid that if I give, I'll do without. This is where I want to really touch on. Because if you really want to be free in your finances, you got to break free by saying, Lord, all that I have belongs to you. Everything I have belongs to you. Everything. I say that often. Lord, everything I have, my house, my car, my wife, my kids, my body, my soul, my spirit, everything I have, it belongs to you. I have been bought with a price. I am not my own. I am a purchased possession. Man, when you see life like that, there's a sense of freedom. Now, I'm going to give you a strange analogy. I think I shared this before, but it's true. Think of because that's what we are. We're bond servants of the Lord. Imagine you're in jail. Now, jail's not a good place to be. We know that, right? But when you think about jail in one sense, People who are in jail don't have to think about who's paying the light bill. They don't think about who's paying the heat. They don't think about where their meal is coming from. They don't think about any of that stuff. Why? They're in prison. They are bonded. They are enslaved to some degree. Now, that's a you know, not a happy place to be, of course, but in the kingdom of God, we are the same. The difference is that God is not trying to lock you down and restrict you and rob you. No, he wants to promote you, elevate you. He wants to prosper you. But your heart has to be rested in this. Lord, all that I have is yours. So when it comes to giving, see, I I was even tempted to take the offering before the the message. Because one of the things I don't like... I, I want you to respond to this, of course, but I don't want you to think that this is all a setup to, so that when we take the offering can give. No, because it's not about this. This is not about a moment. I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm talking about what you do every single day, having a heart of generosity. I'm not talking about an offering. Please, that's, not, that's nothing to God. Oh, okay, God, let me add another zero this time. Okay, I responded, no, that's not the point of the message. The point of the message is to have the spirit of generosity inside of you. The spirit of generosity that says, even if my waiter gave, gave me bad service, I'm still going to leave a tip. That's the spirit of generosity. You, you, you know that person is looking for the waiter to mess up. Just, just, just so they don't have to tip. Oh, you're late. No tip. I know people like that. They're looking for an excuse not to be Generous. They're waiting for the service to be bad, just so that they have an excuse not to tip. I'm talking about the spirit. Somebody say the spirits of generosity. It transcends beyond an offering. It transcends beyond the moment. It's a lifestyle. It causes you to be generous towards your children, generous towards your spouse, generous towards your friends, Generous. Praise God. And I'm not talking about a, a quantitative amount where you have to say, okay, i got to give this much. It's not about that. It's about saying, Lord, I want to make sure that everything I do, I'm doing it with a heart of generosity, and there is no fear attached to it. I'm giving you my best. I'm giving you my all. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That's revival. Hallelujah. That's revival. Because, let me give you something here. This is powerful. I didn't even think about this. When you go back to the early church, when all the people were giving, selling their houses, selling their houses and laying the proceeds at the feet of the apostles. One of them was Barnabas. He sold his possessions and laid the proceeds at the feet of of the apostles. No one told them to do this. They did it out of their own free will. But there was one couple. There was one couple who decided, oh, yeah, we're going to jump in on this, and we're going to sell our house, and we're going to give all the proceeds. And they lied about what the proceeds was. Ananias and Sapphira is what I'm talking about. But I love what Peter said. He said this. This is amazing. He said, while it was in your possession, didn't you have control over it? Meaning, you didn't have to give everything if you didn't want to. You could have given half. could have given a quarter. you could have given just nothing. But if you're going to do something, don't lie about what you're doing. In other words, you can't fake generosity. Glory to God. It has to be sincere, something from your heart. And he says, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And they died right then and there. That's the New Testament. That's not the Old Testament. That's the New Testament, in the blood. <laughs> I'm talking to you about the spirit of generosity. That is a spirit of revival. Where? You're generous with your patience. Some people say, I have, a short, I have a short fuse. No, you don't. You're generous with your patience. I'm practicing that more. I'm on the line. Someone is taking a long time. I'm at the ATM. Someone is just kind of, you know, you're like, Lord, have mercy. You know what I do? Thank God I have money to wait for. Thank you, Jesus. Press all you want, ATM. I'm good. Praise God. My money's not going anywhere. It's right there. Yeah. I'm being generous with that. There's every as, as other areas where we can practice generosity, but that's the spirit of it. And that's what the Lord is saying to you. And this is how you grow in grace. This is how the deepest desires of your heart, God wants to meet. Is it possible? I'm done. The deepest desires of your heart have not been released to you because you haven't released generosity. And I'm not talking about a moment. I'm not talking about a moment here. Remember, Cornelius did this. This was his lifestyle. You get what I'm saying? This, was his li- this wasn't a moment of generosity. This was his lifestyle. The woman, the notable woman, this wasn't a moment. She regularly provided for him. This wasn't a moment. I regularly did. And then it came to a point where it says, I want to touch your deepest desires. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? That's what this is about. Even the woman with the alabaster box, there's one other gospel, I didn't read it, but it says, Jesus said, she kept this for this moment. This wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. No, no. This woman actually kept the alabaster box for this moment. In other words, this is something that she held on to and was waiting for the right moment to release. That's the spirit of generosity. We're my generous people here. It's a lie from the enemy to tell you if you are generous, you're going to... gonna Listen. Let me set you free right now. The spirit of generosity is willing to be cheated. Oh, I'm going to say it right now. The spirit of generosity is willing to be cheated. Because if you're unwilling to be cheated, you're going to be unwilling to be generous. You're going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to make sure that no, what I do, you, you reciprocate. Because if you don't reciprocate, then it's like, no, 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 I'm willing to take the chance of being cheated. Remember Paul the Apostle, when he rebuked the Corinthian church? He says, why is it that Christians are taking each other to court? It's a shame and embarrassment that you are parading your issues before the world. Don't you know that you'll be judging angels? And he asked the question, he says, how come you weren't willing to be cheated? Why is these things so important to you that you're not even willing to be cheated? Oh, I'm talking some stuff here. Some people are not willing to be cheated. Oh, I'm never going to be cheated. I'm going to get what's mine. You're going to treat me right. And you have this hardened exterior that everything I get, I got to get because I deserve it. And you're not going to get over on me. If you have that kind of mindset, you won't be generous. You got to have a mindset that says, listen, I'm going to trust you. And if you hurt me, you hurt me. But it's not going to stop me from being generous. If you live this way, if you live this way, your deepest desires will be given to you. That's the spirit of generosity. Being generous with your trust. Being generous with your time. Being generous with your words. Your affectionate words. Being generous with your money. Being generous with your service. That's the spirit of generosity. That's revival. In the name of Jesus. So I'm releasing this over life church. We are going to be generous. We are generous in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord will grant us our deepest desires. He will give us deep revelations. He will cause us to be notable. And he will give us notoriety for his glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah if you believe that. Glory to God. I felt that one. Glory to God. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.